the NBA changes every year. There are new rookies to capture our attention, the way Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyama have this season. Players change teams and shift the balance of power, like Damian Lillard and his trade to the Bucks. And there are new dramas, usually one at least with James Harden at the center. Thanks to the league's deal with Nike, even new uniforms every season, for better or worse. But only occasionally does the league throw out a completely new wrinkle, like changing the format of the All-Star game or changing it back. This year brings one of the NBA's biggest changes ever. The introduction of an in-season tournament, a concept heavily borrowing from European soccer that gives us a battle for the NBA Cup, and it all starts this week uh, with Friday games played in the tournament. It's hard to know how big a deal this is. It's new, and it's pretty integrated into the season, Tuesdays and Fridays. Some fans might not even know it's happening, although they're likely to get the hint when they show up or tune in and see a brand new alternate court on the floor at their favorite arena. The Thunder will have one of those courts this week when they open play in the group stage with the Warriors visiting Paycom Center. Is that exciting news or change for the sake of change? We're talking about that today with Michael Martin, my colleague at Sellout Crowd. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thundering. Before we bring in Michael, I want to take a minute to thank the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And with that, Michael, welcome in. Thanks for having me again. I'm always happy to talk basketball with you and uh, get some in-season tournament excitement in. I see you every game, you know, and and you're here now. Um, and yet I'm going to see, I guess I'll see you Friday. Are you going to be there Friday for the, the opening of the in-season tournament? I, I am on pins and needles waiting, waiting for this, see how the Thunder react. You know, I just imagine it will feel completely different than all the other times I see you at a game because it'll just be tournament time. Just like when I covered college basketball, it's tournament time. Although like this would be like the Maui Invitational of the, of the, uh, of the college team because it's happening. Yeah, hopefully to you know, this- uh, bring a different vibe to things. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see how the fans react. I think that's going to be very important to see. Yeah. So when I when I was in Kentucky, Kentucky has two state tournaments kind of in basketball. So Kentucky is an all class state tournament, which means the smallest school in the state can win a championship beating the biggest school in the state. That's not the case in a lot of states. They don't have like classes in Kentucky basketball. So what they do in high school basketball there, they play the all a classic. And that's usually like in December or January. I think they still do this. I should check my stats on this. But so that's like a way for the small schools to just have a championship that's for them. And you're the all a champion. You're kind of considered the small school champion. So the class a schools play this tournament. They can win the state tournament, but this is also a chance for them to do something a little different because their chances of winning it are unlikely. This obviously very different because everybody's participating. So the bucks and the nuggets are in this just like everybody else. But I do think one of the things that intrigues me about it, Michael, and we'll get a little, a little into the format and all that stuff in a second. But one of the things that intrigues me is because there is a group stage and then there's a knockout stage. And because it's one game, weird stuff could happen, right? And so the Bucks or Nuggets might not win this thing. Yeah, anything could happen. Like you mentioned, one game, sample size, single elimination. You've covered a lot more college basketball than I ever have. So you can, you've seen some crazy things happen where you can have a Cinderella upset and these are all professionals. So I think there might even be a higher chance of that. Yeah, the best team honestly rarely wins the NCAA tournament. And this, I don't want to compare this too much to the NCAA tournament because that is a really high stakes event where if you lose, your season is over. And in many cases, your career is over if you're a player. 
this, you know, I don't know how seriously players are going to take this yet. I think we'll kind of learn that as we go through not just the first one, but future ones. I think this will change a little because I do think when there's a new TV deal, you'll see this as its own entity television wise. It'll it'll be packaged a little differently. That's my guess. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't if you had to guess, how do you think players are thinking about this thing going into the first one? I think that older players just this is, again, one of the things where they don't really care about it too much. I think that your LeBron's uh, your guys like that Durant. I don't think it's going to mean all that much because they know what the goal is at the end of the season. And that's a championship. But I think this could be sort of like an arrival for a lot of the younger teams or mid teams, uh, mid to older teams to kind of put their stamp on the season of saying we are a real team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's interesting. We're recording this on Wednesday, so the, the Thunder has a game tonight against the Pelicans. And I think of those as two teams that in this tournament, like this is the kind of team where I think it could mean something to them because they're younger, because they do want to prove a little something. Uh, I think you're light, right about guys like LeBron and Durant. It will mean something if they win. They'll say, hey, what an accomplishment. I won the first one of these. But I don't think they're going to approach it like it's some significant thing. I think some of these younger teams might view it a little differently, genuinely might think of it as like, hey, let's go win this thing. Because like, whether they would admit this to themselves and certainly whether they would admit it to us or not, they're not going to win a championship this year, teams like that. But this is a chance to win something, to get some hardware. Yeah, this is, um, I don't know, could you compare it to like the regular season conference championship in college basketball versus like winning the whole tournament in your conference or thing? It's like, it's a nice banner that you can put up of like a sign of progress even if it isn't the end goal that every team's chasing. And the reality is only one out of 29, one out of 30 is getting it. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Somebody's going to raise a banner probably for this. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. Like if the Lakers or Celtics win this thing, I feel like they'll just put up one banner that has the year on it and they'll expect mm -hmm. to add other banners, you know, like other numbers to the banner. So it's like in season tournament champion, 2023, 2027, 2029. Um, but I think, you know, like if you haven't won a championship yet, like if you're the Thunder, you might raise a whole individual band, big old 2023 in-season champion, uh, in-season tournament champion banner right up there next to Nick Collison. Yeah. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, you're just going to name your arena after it since they haven't won anything. <laughs> but it, it's going to be interesting to see which teams really take this seriously. But I, I'm with you. I think it's the younger up and coming teams who feel hungry, who are sort of in that like seven to four mix most years who feel like they can say, you know, this is not just a small sample size. This is like uh, foreshadowing what's to come, but we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully those teams can capitalize off it. Uh, are you a soccer fan? I am not. I, I have heard everyone mm. talking about it, and I'm just kind of like a fly on the wall trying to adjust. But I've heard that this was very heavily influenced by soccer. Yeah, I mean, I, I am aware of that, and I know that they have a tournament like uh, in the EPL, I think. Boy, I don't know anything about this. Um, and I, I was I was sort of hoping you would just carry a whole big load of soccer conversation right now. Um, but I do think it's interesting. This is a cultural piece of what they do in soccer. And so I think there are players around the league who who are pretty big soccer fans who might be a little more invested in this from that standpoint in the sense that it, they were raised uh, really following a sport where this is a thing and it really mattered. Um, and I, I think my guess is because that's such a big established part of European football um, that this is not going to be anything like that for the players, but it could be something like that 
five or six or 10 years from now, when it's established, if they continue playing it, and the NBA has abandoned things in the past. I don't expect they're going to abandon this because, like I said, I think it's going to be a TV packaged thing. I, I would not be surprised if we see like a television provider get this or a couple of different television providers get it and they provide this sort of package and they brand it a little differently moving forward. I think it's the kind of thing we'll sort of I think we'll see after a few of them how, how big a thing it is to players. I'm with you. I think that. um just like you said, in a few years, it could matter. And I think this season is very important for it because what you don't want to have is a team like, no offense to these guys, but like the Hawks, the Bulls, the Raptors who win it and then get bounced in the play-in. You want to have at least a team that goes to the second round, maybe the conference finals of like, hey, this sort of projects that you could go here, but I'm with you. And then at at some point, it's going to be a very valuable thing to say we were the first ever quote unquote triple crown winners. We won the End season tournament, best record in the NBA, win the title. Right. Yeah. Or, or we're, we won a conference title, um, you know, and the tournament title. Yeah. That's for sure. You could say that. And, and yeah, the, the regular season. Hey, you could win your division because everybody cares about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, when you're, when your division in the NBA, quick name everybody in the Thunders division. Uh, unfortunately, I know this. <laughs> it's sad, but it's uh, the Wolves, the Nuggets, the Blazers, and the Jazz. Yeah, all, it feels all very close to Oklahoma. It feels that the Thunder's division feels very much more than any of the other ones to me. It feels like the one where they were like, all right, we got some teams left, you know, like let's, you know, we'll figure this out. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I am fascinated by the, what was your initial reaction? Cause this, I think it's a weird thing to have an initial reaction to, because I feel like we've been talking about this for like four years that Adam Silver likes it and wants it. It just seems like that's been sort of hovering around the NBA forever. But when they said officially, we're going to do this, what, what did you think? I mean, I was a little surprised just because it's out of the ordinary from the NBA calendar. I know, like you mentioned, that they've constantly adjusted the league, but this seemed like a bigger change than normal. And I'm still in a position where it's like, wait and see, because uh, going back to like the All-Star game when they changed it, where they made like the Elam ending and then the guys took it really seriously. That was awesome, but you had no idea at the time that that would happen. So I'm fingers crossed optimistic that we'll see some really good high-level competitive basketball, but I just have no idea. I mean, you've been around more NBA teams than me. Do you think that the the players, the coaches, the organizations are going to direct any assets to try to compete in this, or is it just going to be, if we win, we win? Yeah, I think they'll treat it more or less like regular games, like like normal regular season games. The Thunder, for example, would be a team that would absolutely tell you like, hey, you know, we're about the process and the results are, are you know, the results come as 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 a result of the process. And so like the the process won't change for the in-season tournament, right? They're going to try to do all the same things that they try to do for every game. And I think you will hear players say that same thing. They'll say, you know, these are our games just like any other games. Um, we're not going to get too high or too low based on what we do in the tournament. But I do think there might be a little bit of competitive nature that comes out when you get into these settings. I think smart of the NBA to do this the way they're doing it, one, to separate the games out pretty significantly. So it's Tuesdays and Fridays in November. The Thunder will have two Friday games and two Tuesday games. Um, you know, the courts, I think the courts were a really good idea. Uh, something I was hoping they were going to do. Uh, they're alternate courts and everybody's are kind of similar. 
Um, it's a similar kind of format, but they're different colors and different, slightly different designs. And I think that to sort of set the thing apart a little bit, people are going to wear city edition uniforms, which will be uniforms they'll be wearing for these games. So they give it a little bit of a different visual look, um, in the uniform in the court. So I think anything you can do to sort of make it stand out a little bit, whether that psychologically affects the way the players treat it, I don't know. But I'm interested in in whether just the kind of atmosphere, if you're in the last couple of minutes of one of those games, um, is it any different from another regular season game? You know, that that's the stuff I'm looking forward to watching Friday. What what do you want to see when you go out for your first in-season tournament? I wish they called it something better. Your first in-season tournament game on Friday. Well, first of all, that was a great point that you made about just like even the aesthetic thing of seeing a different court gives it a different vibe because up until then, it was just sort of just an added name on like a posted note that they just put on front of it where it says in season tournament games. But I, I don't know. I'm excited to see just the rotation. So like Mark Dagnall is very well known for playing these massive rotations, playing 12, 13 guys. Does he shrink that down to say nine or 10 to this? Are they like, uh, is Shay's minutes are they changing at all just the the small details because like you know the thunder aren't gonna come over and hammer you over the head with hey we're trying like they're going to say things just sort of on the side or they're going to do things with their actions but they're not gonna come out and say like mark dagnall's gonna say this game's a must win for us but what about you what are you looking forward to the most yeah i think i think i'm interested to see like are we um, are we scoreboard watching a little bit? You know, as you get further along in the group stage, that won't be the first game. But like as you get a little bit further into the group stage, um, I'm interested to see like I, I think it, it's interesting to see the Warriors be the first team that the Thunder plays in this, because I think it will be sort of I think the Thunder will treat this like it's um, more or less like a regular game. But I do think their guys might be a little more amped up for the chance to go out and win something. As we talked about a young team that hasn't won anything. The Warriors are an old team that's won everything. And so how are they treating it? We know they're not a hundred percent. We know Draymond isn't playing, but like how does Steph Curry and, and Chris Paul, how do those guys respond to a game like this? They've been through so much. Is it going to be anything different for them? Are they going to treat it any differently? So I'm probably as interested, if not more interested in the Warriors. Cause I think, Teams like that are going to dictate a little bit how we feel about this thing. Um, if the Warriors amp themselves up a little bit for it, I think it changes uh, the dynamic of the tournament just a little bit. If the Celtics do it, if the Bucks do it, definitely if the Nuggets do it. I mean, I think if those teams kind of treat it um, not like it's a postseason game, but if there's a gear in between the two things, a gear in between regular November game and postseason game if there's something there if it's like stretch run gear or whatever you know like if the if the warriors find that i'm interested in seeing that because i i think that is the kind of thing that makes us think oh okay guys are taking this seriously i think the warriors are a good litmus test yeah sort of like the the last couple weeks of the season before the playoffs where teams are starting to gear up and tighten the rotations like will they do anything just slightly different not overt like you mentioned but yeah the warriors are going to be really interesting and in this pod uh, Brett, you have some interesting home court advantage teams with the Thunder, the Warriors, the Kings, the Spurs, and then uh, the Wolves are also involved here. Uh, they're not one of the home court teams, I would say, but I think that you're yeah. going to get some rowdy crowds here and it's going to be very exciting. But, you know, we've got a lot of theatrical players, whether it be Steph Curry, um, Shea can be out there and be fun. Victor Wimbanyama is all, uh, all ready, just like um, a featured act that you need to see. So it's going to be interesting with this where you've got in this division, like you mentioned with the Warriors, like a nice balance between 
young and upcoming teams and then the established veteran who's like trying to keep the the younger guys down. Yeah, I, I like that the NBA gave us group play that's a little bit different. It might have even been fun to mix up East and West in group play, but I understand why you don't want to do that because you're going to have an East win- winner and a West winner. Um, but you mm-hmm. don't have to. You could have done something kind of fun with this and not made it, um, you know, by conference. Uh, but I do like the way they divided them that it's that, that you have groups as opposed to just you're playing the teams in your division to advance. That makes it more fun. You know, ha- having Golden State in the mix is a very different kind of team from the other teams in the Thunder's division. So I'm glad we went with groups instead of divisions. Um, you know, the one thing I, I talk about this on another podcast, I don't think is going to happen, but it would be great is if, you know, like, you know, the, the, uh, the Kings or the Thunder or the Warriors, whoever win this, you know, they go on into the, the knockout stage and they win and their fans are just chanting West group C West group C, you know, I want like the, I want group pride, like the sec has. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to get that. Um, but it, it, it's, I think it's a fun concept. And I do like this, this kind of mix of teams that you, you know, look, if they had just gone with the Northwest division teams, this would be super dull. I'm with you. I uh, like the NFL schedule where it changes around where it's like you play this division mm-hmm. this year. I think that's very cool with this of just like, oh, we get the Lakers this year. Like we're going to see uh, Anthony Davis twice against this team in group play. Like that's going to be really cool. We u- usually only get him once or twice, but now we're going to up it a little bit more. So I'm excited. And then just for people who are like a little bit more hesitant on this, it was a little bit different in the bubble because we we're playing for playoff seating. But that was also some group play where people were trying in those. So it's it's going to be exciting to see just those first games of how they set the tone. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that in terms of a comparison. But when we talk about those young teams taking this very seriously and maybe trying to want to win, think about that Phoenix team. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the in the renewal of the season when the season started back up before the playoffs, they got themselves in position almost to make the playoffs you know, like the way they got they, they they didn't get themselves quite that close but they you know they were not a very good team and they went eight no in i think it was eight no right um mm-hmm. in that version of the bubble before the playoffs started and then that was a real springboard for them they got chris paul and things kind of took off and now we think of phoenix obviously they've made huge trades since but you know since then phoenix has really been a contender um and kind of announced its arrival right there it was devin booker really stepped up they were great in the bubble regular season play um, and so that, that is a thing that maybe, maybe a little bit more immediately because the rosters will be the same, more or less, you know, there'll be some trades, but like maybe there's a team that can announce itself in that way in this tournament. If there is a team like that, who is it? Who's the team that could come into the tournament and whether they win it or not, you know, could be the Phoenix of bubble play, it could be this team that they don't win the thing, but, but everybody says, Oh, okay. Like they're, they're for real. That's a great question. I think they they won't be for real as in like the Suns where they made the finals the next year, but I'm very high on the Orlando Magic. And I think that they could throw out some really unique lineups to kind of scare some people because they have a lot of matchup problems. I think that they could play like a Milwaukee and put the fear of God in them and just like lose close. And I think that's one of those where you don't want to say a moral win, but just as a team, like sort of like when the Thunder lost in the first round to the Lakers who ended up winning the championship, it's like, it's a good sign that you're competing with these teams. But what about you? Do you have any teams in mind who you think could take that Suns breakout? Well, I mean, you know, it could be the Thunder theoretically, although I think everybody kind of already thinks, you know, that's a pretty good team. Um, But like, is there a team out there, you know, like 
I'm trying to think of like a young team. Orlando's a really good call. You know, maybe Indiana is a team mm-hmm. that like that's a team that I, I think is people are expecting to make a a bit of a move. Um, I you know I, I saw Tyrese Halliburton has been talking about his desperation to win. Um, and that's a team I think people have some some expectations of making a move forward. Maybe that's a team that that pulls an upset somewhere that, um, you know, maybe uh, I, I don't know uh, their group, but let's say they pull one big upset in their group. Let's maybe they, you know, one of these teams that makes it to the knockout round that's not supposed to. Um, that's a team where I could see people saying, OK, they they made some moves in the offseason. They got Obi top and whatever. Um, that's a team we want to watch out for come playoff time because they're going to get a little better. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, like I'm fascinated by what the Clippers do in this thing. I think that the, the, the other thing that will tell us something about the tournament is, uh, do we, do we put a moratorium on resting? Do we see a lot of guys? The NBA's already got a new policy, uh, but we've already seen that, that guys are still going to sit on some back to backs. There's guys with injury histories who qualify for that sort of thing. How to, how do veteran teams approach it from that standpoint? I do think is interesting. You know, um, we'll hear games in the regular season sometimes where somebody says, well, if this was a playoff game, he could have gone, right? Mm-hmm. Are we going to have a situation where it's like, well, if this was a regular November game, we might have sat him, but we wanted to play him in the tournament. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. And then I, I thought about this comparison. You can tell me if I'm way off here. I'm just spitballing. But it reminds me the play, uh, the in-season tournament of in college football where you don't make the national championship, but you get into like a New York, uh, New Year's Six Bowl. And it just kind of yeah. carries on the momentum to your next season if you can win it. And I feel like the in-season tournament could do that, where it just gives a jolt of confidence to whatever team, whether they win it or not, if they can get to the finals, final four. Yeah, I, that's that's reasonable. I think um, it's so interesting that it falls within the season. You know, that's the mm-hmm. thing is that it's it's not going to be a thing where, OK, this team makes a little noise like the Phoenix example. It's a great example. But the flip side of that is they did add Chris Paul. Right. Um, and some teams that, you know, you could look at it that way in the sense that, OK, some team could make a little bit of noise in this tournament. And maybe they say, you know what, we were good enough in this single elimination event. Um, we're pretty good. Maybe we're a little ahead. Maybe we go out and make a trade at the deadline that pushes us ahead. I don't know that you're going to treat a single elimination tournament like that as like a, a you know, a harbinger of, of, you know, a, a, a playoff series and what you can do. But maybe there's a team that, that does something in the tournament and then they go out and make a trade and you say, okay, now that team is something because we saw what they could do in the tournament setting. Now they've added this piece. That, that stuff is interesting. I, it reminds me a little bit more of one of those big events like the, you know, the preseason NIT or the Maui Invitational in college basketball, where sometimes a team that's ranked sixth or seventh in the in the country goes and wins one of those and beats a couple of really good teams. Purdue did this last year. Um, and it sort of makes you look at that team a little bit differently. Again, the two sports are really hard to compare, but I think from a just like kind of a vibe standpoint, like Purdue ran through a preseason event last year. I remember it beat Duke and another really good team. And everybody said, okay, maybe, maybe we were undervaluing Purdue. And so like I, I can definitely see it from that standpoint. I can definitely see a team doing that. I like the point that you mentioned about Phoenix going on and then trading for Chris Paul. What if you get a situation where it is, say, Denver is in the finals or like a side of the finals against, let's say, um, Minnesota and Minnesota plays them really close. And they feel like we're one piece away. Could that be kind of the catalyst of let's go make this next move? And it doesn't have to be Minnesota, just insert team. Right. Yeah, I, I am curious about that. I think for the most part, teams will not overreact to the tournament in that way. That would be my mm-hmm. thought, because it is 
it's such a weird event because it's it's an NBA elimination event that is single game elimination and it throws a lot of variables in that do not exist in playoff series. The NBA playoff series are designed for the best team to win the championship. That's what it is. It's the best system probably um probably in pro sports for determining who your best team is because it happens at a time, you know, it's at the end of the season. The playoff series are all long. There's no short series like you get in baseball. Um, there's more scoring. So it's not quite, I always think hockey has more variance in it between good teams and, and, and lower level playoff teams because a good goalie can make so much of a difference. One great player can make a difference in a basketball series, but it's not quite the same because scoring opportunities are so limited in hockey. Um, baseball's like that too, to a certain extent, but they also have short series, which is crazy. So like one pitcher can make such a big difference. Um, you know, the NFL plays single game elimination. And so, um, as good as a, you know, the, the gap at the, I think, in, I think football is the sport where the talent gap means the most. Um, but still you can have that kind of variance. And so I don't think you can overreact to a, a tournament win in the NBA, even if you go all the way to the finals or even if you win the thing. Um, but I do think, I do wonder if there might be some teams who just look at that and say, Hey, maybe we're a little more ready to win than we thought. Um, I'm torn on that. I do think most teams would say, ah, it's not really indicative of what's going to happen in the postseason. But I wonder if some team might say, okay, it's not indicative of that, but maybe we do just need this one piece. And then this team that could go through this single elimination tournament uh, might be more prepared for a long series. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think the biggest thing comes down to which organization are we talking about? Because the Thunder could win it and they'd go, this is just part of the plan. We're going to keep going. Yep. And then you have other organizations totally. like, New Orleans who are kind of grasping for straws where it's like, is this the sign? Does this mean we need to go all in? So I think it's sort of team dependent, but I'm with you. I don't think most teams are going to blow everything up just from winning the in-season tournament. Yeah, for sure. That One thing we can say, the Thunder might hang a banner, but they won't change anything if they win the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if they were to win this whole thing, they would say, okay, well, you know, like that is a result of the process. That is a result of the work that we've been putting in. And it's just one result and it doesn't mean anything to us. Um, so I think we've covered the most important stuff here in terms of, you know, uh, how teams might respond to it. How are they going to treat it? How seriously do we take it? Or maybe what we're about to talk about is the most important part, which is the courts. The courts are something, Michael. They are a thing to see. Yeah, the courts, um, universally, I think more accepted than the jerseys, which you <laughs> normally wouldn't see. But there, there's a lot of excitement about the courts. I think you get a lot more jerseys than courts changing up. I mean, we had an alternate a few years ago with the Thunder with the all white and sort of like the the cream, like gray color. But I uh, like we mentioned earlier, just having the aesthetic of a new court gives it a new feel uh, feel to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, don't get me started on that white thunder court, which I thought was the weirdest thing in the world because they would wear, would wear white uniforms on that white court, and the opponent stood out and looked great. It made the opponent look awesome. The opponent's uniforms have never looked better than they looked on that white thunder court. I never, I never got it. Um, but I the the courts have a they there is like a there's a template basically. They all have basically this giant NBA trophy kind of thing. They got the trophy in the lane sort of. There's a there's a template then there's some some different design elements and different colors thrown in. Um you know, they are what they are, but the the courts are a big talking point. So I want to know what is your favorite of the play of the in-season tournament courts? 
boy, this this was a tough one. This was uh, this took more time than thinking who would win the whole championship. But I'll go with the Cavaliers. Uh, I, the wine and gold uh, just pairing is always very nice. And theirs just looks the most normal. Like they could just use it as a regular court compared to these other teams. And a lot of these ones, like you mentioned, they're all the same where you have the trophies on like the free throw lines. This is the only one where it looks sort of natural. But I, I really like this one. What about you? Okay. I, I am a fan of that one as well because I like um I like Cleveland's I like that uniform of Cleveland's. I was in Cleveland last week. I saw a lot of fans wearing that land jersey with that color scheme. Big fan of it. To me, I'm a bit of a classicist. I like the I like the classics. And I also like a little bit of daring. And so I like the Lakers court. I think it's bright and really bold, but like it's unmistakably the Lakers, which I'll get into this when I talk about the ones I don't like. But that's a problem with some of these courts. You turn this thing on, you know it's the Lakers. It befits a team that's won a bunch of championships trying to win like a regular season event. Yeah, I, I like those two where it's like very obvious. This, these are the Celtics. And then the other ones, like if you just change the name, I'd have no idea that was the Rockets, which I don't mean to step on if that's one of your worst ones. But just as many great courts, we had some ones that uh, definitely need some rework. A hundred percent. On that note, what is your least favorite of these courts? I got to go with the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know if the submission paperwork got sent to Seattle instead of San Antonio, but it looks like a Sonics floor and it just, it doesn't make any sense. If you take away the San Antonio on the baselines and you just ask NBA fans name, which court this is associated with, I think you get 15 to 20 answers before you got to them. And the thing is with the Spurs, it's so unfortunate is they have these like cool Fiesta uniforms that they could have done. And they said this is sort of inspired by it, but this was this shot that they took on this court was uh, more often a Ben Simmons three. Man, I agree with you totally. I did not pick the Spurs, but I easily could have. And the logic on my choice is so similar because my choice is the Washington Wizards because what? What? How am I to know that that is the Wizards? What about that says Wizards to me? It doesn't even say bullets. I don't know. What is going on with that? I assume that there will be a uniform that corresponds. But again, this is a tournament. I want to turn this game on and not only know that it's a special event, that it's the NBA's in-season tournament, but I want to know that if I am cursed to be a Wizards fan, my Washington Wizards are playing. I don't know how I would know that based on this. I, I feel for the Washington Wizards fans. They they early in the season basically showed when they lost by 40 to Indiana, please don't watch this team. And then they're doing this court. And if you haven't seen the jerseys, they're just as bad. They look rusted over. And it, like you said, it doesn't mention the Wizards at all. It doesn't say bullets. doesn't have any of their traditional colors. I, I don't know what the process was other than maybe ownership let one of their kids like color in the jersey and they just printed it. But it it doesn't make sense to me. I'm with you. That's that's an ugly court, ugly jersey. It's bad. And the Wizards, you know, it's it's one of those deals. This is what happens with these Nike deals. The Wizards got one great uniform out of this thing. They got the cherry blossom uniforms that were fantastic, but then they get retired because that's what we do with the, the, you know, just like the Thunder's great Native American salute jerseys, just gone, lost to history. Nike will bring them all back someday because that's what you do. But it, it's always a bummer when you get one that's genuinely good, that's reflective of the city, and then just goes away and you get this thing and this court that is in my mind, the worst court. Honorable mention for both categories for me is the New Orleans Pelicans. I can't decide if I think it's amazing or terrible. It looks like a 90s Nickelodeon show if it was a basketball court. 
I don't know what to make of it. I love it. I hate it. It is both. Yeah. If I see Zion in a purple jersey on that court, it's going to look like Grimace or Barney uh, just hooping yeah. on people. I, that court is, I'm with you, where it's like, I'm going back and forth where I'm like, I appreciate that they really went for it, but at the same time, this is hard to look at. All right, Michael, before we go, I need the very important, we got to make two key predictions here. Very important, who wins West Group C? I've got the Sacramento Kings, like we mentioned earlier, just as a team on the rise who's hungry. And I think that their pace and energy is something that could really be weaponized against a lot of these teams. And most importantly, in group play, their two home games are against the Warriors and the Thunder, which I think will be their two toughest games. But I like the chemistry between Fox and Sabonis. And like we mentioned in a single game eliminator with like college, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And the Kings are averaging about 128 points per game so far in three games. So I'm riding with the Kings. What about you? So we did not, we didn't do this in advance. So I didn't know who you're picking. And I also picked the Kings Very for nice. a couple of the reasons you mentioned. And, and, and one that you didn't, which is that Draymond Green is not going to be playing. And he's so key to what the Warriors did against the Kings in the playoffs. And so you've got, I think, this Kings team that's very motivated to win. Um, I think if they see the Warriors, they're going to kind of see red and be really fired up to play. And it's a single, you know, it's not a single elimination. This is not a knockout uh, round. Mm -hmm. But to win the group stage, they're probably going to need to beat the Warriors. I feel like they'll be very motivated to do that. I like the Kings' chances. They seem like one of those fun young teams that would really take this seriously. They got a bunch of basketball guys on that team and a bunch of young guys who are really energetic. So I like them as well. Um, so now I'll go first in picking my winner because we didn't do this and we might have done the same thing again. So this way, you know that I'm not copying you uh, and we know that you're not copying me. I'll just say my winner and I am picking the most boring winner, um, which is the Denver Nuggets, who I think not only, you know, it's the best team. It's a team that won the championship uh, last year. And it's a team that, as Mark Dagnall talked about, just really remarkably hit the ground running, does not appear to have any championship hangover, integrating new players really well. But the key thing is their two best players right now are healthy and back. And that's a big continuity piece for them. They don't have to, uh, you know, integrate a brand new, really important player like Damian Lillard in Milwaukee, um, or Chris Porzingis in Boston, although Boston has looked very good early. I just think it's easy for Denver right now. I think teams are going to need to figure out Denver over the course of the season, but nobody has yet. And so I like the Nuggets. You said it's boring, but it's boring because it's the best pick because they are the best team in the NBA just coming off a title. Like you mentioned, best two man crew right now in basketball. I maybe stepped ahead earlier when I mentioned the uh, shooting and single game elimination, but that was foreshadowing because I'm going with the Kings all the way. I, I just oh, wow. want to see the beam and the orb have a crossover in Vegas. Uh, I, but <laughs> Love it. yeah, like I mentioned uh, in the single game elimination, it, they can get hot. I don't care how bad their defense is. If it's for two weeks and they're scoring 130, I, I hope to God they can hold teams to 125. But I think a team like this is very motivated, like you mentioned, to get revenge on the Warriors and to show the league once again, that was not a fluke. We are no longer the laughing stock of the league. We are a real team and organization that's going to be competitive. I love it. It's a really fun choice. Everybody will be chanting West Group C uh, here in Oklahoma City if the Kings win it. So that'll be great. Michael? Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Um, we will be at these games coming up. We'll be at that uh, first in-season tournament game. they got to come up with a better name than in-season tournament. That's my advice. Name it. 
after a player, give it something. Got to find something. But we'll have a ton of coverage from it at selloutcrowd.com. So make sure you check all of that out. If this is your first time listening and you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, please do that on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your podcast provider of choice. Uh, please support our sponsors. Please check out the website. We will be back next week and we hope you will be too. 